What can be learned from a story woven out of fragmented moments of joy, pain, and blissful awareness? I wrote my first book, Flesh Mapping, in 2013. It was an invitation into co-creating a pedagogy, a way of learning through our shared narratives of place and politics, a way of mapping the injuries of the material, emotional, spiritual impact of all our many journeys of growth. Some may call it struggle, forced poverty, displacement, hunger, and war. As a child raised in war, I've learned many lessons. And in the art of living, I'm inviting some of my heroes some of the people who walk with me, who have taught me to walk in beautiful ways, to see co-creation, to see community as our immunity to pain, to suffering, to wanting. Welcome. I'm your host, Sylvia Richardson, and this is The Art of Living. We are very privileged today to be joined by the succulent, delicious Susan Kyra, the prolific author of Welcome Home to Yourself. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. When I think about your book, Welcome Home to Yourself, I think of this quality of us becoming comfortable with everything about ourselves, with that inner child inside of us with those dreams that we sometimes have silence for so long so how do we embrace this process of welcoming ourselves home this aspect of welcoming yourself home is to is to really come to um, enjoy yourself it is to appreciate yourself it is it is to come to choose to like yourself it's a lifetime process and when we've been uh, in families of origin in our childhood that were able to and committed to loving us, it's so easy, it's a natural experience to uh, be at home with ourselves. And when it's not natural, it's, it's when we've had experiences where our needs haven't been met and where we haven't experienced the success that we needed to be experiencing at certain developmental ages. It's a lifetime of learning, of figuring yourself out and becoming more and more aware and tracking yourself. So when you ask how, it is to really begin to track what you're doing, what you're thinking, and what you're feeling, and whether it's having a positive impact on you, whether it's having a negative impact on you, whether it is grounded in reality, and um, whether it is boundaried and in, in understanding what belongs to you and your responses and, and what belongs to outside of you and 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 to understand that in every moment we have a choice in how to respond even by choosing not to respond is a response i love that you mentioned that because so often you know as women uh, and uh, even as little girls right we often carry a lot of responsibilities and so the idea that we can have a dream that we can manifest our dreams you know or, or that we can go after our dreams is something that is very alien for a lot of women you first are a mother you're a wife you're all those other things that you need to do and so um Taking that that liberty, taking that freedom, and releasing yourself from the guilt and the shame of having something that is, 
you, <laughs> that is for you, um, it's a challenge. How do we overcome that? How do, how do we um, locate that place in our heart where we feel joy and it's okay to feel joy? <laughs> it is, it's um, not only okay to feel joy, <laughs> it's, it's necessary to, have, to live a life of well-being. I really believe that we are all born to live joyous lives, and uh, to be joyful is really to be taking your freedom seriously. And most of us, and certainly in, in, in the female genders, we were not really taught uh, that our freedom is something that we need to be responsible for. We need to be responsible for our freedom, and, and that needs to be number one always. What we're taught more of is, is how to be responsible to others or how to be responsible to, to our roles, whether it is to be a, a spouse or a, a parent, an employee, a, a homemaker, a, you know, caring for parents. And whenever we bow down to a role and we succumb to a role because of fear, because of convenience, or because of efficiency, um, we truly are murdering part of ourselves. Mm. So that's not living a responsible life. But yet we can walk down the street in any marketplace in any city in the world and we, we can look at each other and and we nod our heads as we are being trapped mm. in these lives that uh, on the outsider I said, oh, you're so successful, you're so perfect because you have done this and this and this. But it doesn't matter what we accomplish if there is no soul in it, if there is no joy in it, freedom in it, if there is no choice or no passion or love or uh, or juiciness. Mm. It's, it's like so when, when people tell me <laughs> uh, they've been doing this for this long or this for this long or they, they've accomplished this or they have, a, they have a bucket list and they've achieved 30 things in their bucket list, none of it impresses me unless they tell me it's juicy for them, it, mm. it's alive. And, and that's living a dream. But that's typically living a dream that, that goes beyond a dream that we could ever manifest when we are taking our, what we're, t what we're told are our responsibilities and we're creating a gilded cage around ourselves. The author, Clarissa Estes, um, writes that, you know, there is this spiritual lens of the wild woman. And she says that the spiritual lens of the wild woman have been, throughout history, have been plundered, have been burned, you know, they've been bulldozed and all our natural cycles have been made unnaturally rhythms, you know, to meet the needs of others. How do we reclaim that wild woman inside us when we have um, almost deformed ourselves into relationships that at times are very unhealthy? How do we track our, our yes. heart tracks of who we are, where the wild child in us still lives? Where do we find it? Well, you know, what you're asking is, is such a dangerous question. This question that you're asking is that it's really, it's a question of turning the patriarchal system inside out and onto the ground because even Clarissa Estes, and, and I love her book, mm -hmm. Women Who Run With the Wolves, and I've referred it to so many women and men so many times. 
yet even in her stories it has a patriarchal favor in that it is it speaks about the skeleton woman it's being with a man who brings the flesh back onto the skeleton woman or or is you know the bluebeard and it's it's about you know calling for your brother to come and rescue you from being entrapped in a castle with a man who will murder you if you open a door that he has said you can't open because the woman is uh, is intelligent and curious she opens a door and then it's her death and so when we are making our choices and we feel so much guilt and so much shame with the choices we've made but since the beginning of time as far as history has been recorded for us we've been told and shown over and over again that being a female is and protecting the feminine very very radical mm-hmm. and very very dangerous i mean we don't even have to go that far back in in north american history and we look at the suffragettes and and women like you and i who said enough is enough we have the right to vote we have the right to have a voice in a democratic country and it is so any kind of courageous action that we do that's outside the patriarchal definition of who mm. we are is a very dangerous, dangerous action. I think there is some pride that we all have to take in being dangerous women in dangerous yes, times. Yes, <laughs> yes, because what other way is there? And the thing is, you can be dangerous and, and wise, be very wise with it. Yeah. But we can't be wise if we're unaware of ourselves. Yeah. And one way of becoming very aware of ourselves, of course, is manifesting, not even manifesting dreams, but in, in, in recognizing dreams that we could never imagine possible. Because a dream has kind of like a baseline. It's like you and I are here today, and so we can dream really big. But the, the type of women you and I are, we know that in two years from now, you know, the, if life continues to protect us as it has thus far, that our dreams will be even more expansive because we'll have more awareness. That's what you and I do. We, mm-hmm. we keep focusing on yeah. how to become more and more and more aware. So for your listeners, it is for you to become so curious about where you come from, be so curious about what were the stories told about you, become so curious about which of the stories have you adopted as being a part of your signature, and which of these stories are just shuffled away. Think of what is it that gives you kind of a thirst and a hunger and a a juiciness to say you want or need more, and then it is, without telling anyone around you, is how to begin to take one step at a time to inquire about this and how can you manifest it. And once it has a formation, has a life, it has a kind of a breath of its own, then you start seeking women and men around you who would believe in you, honor your dream without any kind of stepping on it and making any of their opinions. Mm. And then with that support... You keep going for it, and you don't look for external validation. What you look for is internal validation. And Mm -hmm. if your body keeps going, ah, yes, this is right, oh, this is so hard, I don't know whether I can do it, and I will anyway, and you have to use that assertion of, I will anyway. I will not stop until inside of me something tells me to stop. Mm -hmm. 
I was thinking about the way sometimes fear of rejection um, seems to paralyze us, you know, and it doesn't matter how many times you've been very successful. Someone said something amidst a, a million other compliments, and the only thing we hear is the negative comment, you know, and the only thing we hear is that bullet that was aimed at our heart. Um, yeah. How do we, you know, armor our hearts so that we can maybe let the wound, you know, brace us and maybe even break our heart? Because I think that's healthy, but without shattering it, without destroying it. Yes. You were uh, a captain of a ship, and it was the most beautiful ship you could ever imagine. And then the captain of the engine room came up to you and said to you, Sylvia, there is a hole in the bottom of the ship. You would put all of your attention onto the hole in the bottom of the ship so it wouldn't sink. You would take care of that hole, and you would work so, so efficiently and so quickly that the rest of the people on the ship wouldn't even notice it if you were able to do that. If you weren't able to do that, you would get everyone as quickly as possible into the rescue boats or in, what do they call those boats? You know what I mean, right? The lifeboat. <laughs> the lifeboats, yes, of course, the lifeboats. And just say, paddle as fast as you can away from the ship because when it goes down, there's going to be a vortex and it will take you down with it if you're too close to it. And that's like life. It's like when somebody sends you an injurious, in, injurious message, everything in our brain, if we think of it as a heart, but it's really, it's, it's the brain. Everything in our brain only wants us to thrive and, and survive, just survive and thrive, survive and thrive. So when we hear an injurious comment, the brain is made to protect us. And so it will say, you know, red alert, red alert, red flag, red flag, and everything else could be 99% or all okay. But there's a red flag here. And so if you take that red flag really seriously and you say, oh, that's just who she is, or that's just who he is, or that's just the establishment, that's just the corporation, that's who they are. I understand it, and it's okay. I'm not in a minefield because I know that's what they do. That's what crocodiles do. Mm -hmm. And I will not step into the pond with the crocodiles. And so that's when you can, you can shrug your shoulders and say it's the way it is. Because if you're a politician, you would never be a politician unless you formed a kind of a thick skin and, and if you're a healthy politician, an open heart. Mm. And if we can do that in our life and know where it's coming from, know the source. But when it's coming from in a way that really is that if they can, they'll take you down, you know, protect yourself and, and find a way where you don't have to have contact with that person or that establishment or corporation or relationship. If you're feeling that is really dangerous, just get out of the way. Get into your own lifeboat and move away and, and do it with grace. Mm. Do it with grace. Mm. It takes a lot less energy because everything we, we think, everything we say, everything we do, we always get the first hit. We give love to someone, we get the first flush of the love. Mm -hmm. If we give rage to someone, we get the first flush of the rage, you know, mm -hmm. and it, it's stored in our organs, in our bodies, and it hurts. We hurt ourselves. That is so beautifully said. You know, I was thinking of the way the story affects us both the first time you hear it, right? You know what I mean? When yes. bullet <laughs> hits your heart. Yes. And then the whole echo, 
you know, that, that you create in your mind when you allow yourself to just revel in your loathing and shame and whatever it is, you know, that you enable this wound to open in you. And I, and I think at some point we have to become more aware of how we recreate those stories because it's not so much that the wound is killing us, it's that we're, we're constantly opening and, and you know, bloodletting ourselves, you know through that yes. same little wound. And, and, you know, to do that, you know, have, you know, decades of, of, um, of studying and training and doing, you know, being a psychotherapist, doing therapy work, you know, and I have been, and I've been working in my own therapy. And it isn't coming from a place of being broken, but it's coming from a place of being really solidly grounded learning as much as I can about the brain, learning as much as I can about the body, learning as much as I can about the sociological aspects, the anthropological aspects, the psychological aspects, the spiritual aspects. Mm. Because the more equipped we are, the more resilient we are. For me, living a joyous life has always, always been my priority. I don't know where that came from or why that happened, (laughs) but I just know that being my priority has continually protected my freedom. Mm. And for me, freedom is the basis um, for all enlightenment. And we look at the heroes mm. that are household names, and we look at these, you know, these men and women, and what they all have in common is that they've all chosen freedom above everything. I was thinking about the role that our friends play in um, creating spaces where we can be free. And how do we create healthy relationships, you know, and, and those boundaries that you're talking about that are so essential to creating those nurturing, generative relationships that, you know, invigorates us and makes us feel joyous. We need friends. And the older we become, the more we need friends. Choosing friends needs to be done in a manner that is very conscientious and very deliberate. It's choosing women and men who really get you. When you're with people that hold the same intelligence that you carry, there is a sense of safety. When you're with people that don't hold the same degree of intelligence that you hold, it's not so safe. It's just not safe. Choose people who are like you and choose people who know as much as you do and choose people who know more than you do in certain areas. But the baseline is that there's this common ground of ability and commitment mm. to making a better difference in how you live and, and how they live. We are always changing and we're living extraordinarily long now. So uh, our friends will, will change. We'll, we'll maintain long, long-lasting friendships. But We'll also be introducing a lot of new people. Mm. And the more you shift, the more new friends you will be in, um, introducing into your life. And it makes certain that they're all dream catchers with mm. you. Just as it's important to have really good friends, it's also important to know when to end a friendship that is no longer 
uh, creating joy. Uh, somehow, you know, you've you've changed, and one of you has changed beyond the pace of the other. And so, how do you end? Because uh, you know, we, we we have fear of beginnings, we have fear of endings, we have fear of life, we have fear of death. I mean, you know, the fear is always there. <laughs> so, how do we navigate these waters and uh, and and in a caring way, you know, release people because, you know, if you're not happy, I, I imagine they're not happy either. Yes. I think how you end in friendships is is um, very much attached to the type of friendship, the type of person you are. Universally, I would suggest it is to do a very graceful letting go. What I found in my own life in, in letting go of friendships it's sort of like it has a kind of a, a natural state or we just kind of float apart. It's like it's like a fork in a river and, and one goes one way and one goes another way. And I've also found that what uh, brings many friendships closer to me are, are people that, um, you know, by being and living in the same area or being the similar kind of work, uh, that it creates a proximity that we, we have more connection. But to... To really look at it is how can you grace gracefully let go and and what occurs often is you will let go of one friend but you you're finding yourself very engaged with a another friend or a new friends or a new interest or a new or new needs in your family with nobility and that's a welcome home to yourself it's like how to live with grace no matter what the moment is. And I was just going to say that, you know, in your book, Welcome Home to Yourself, you really guide uh, your readers to embrace this joyous uh, way of being, you know, and uh, and celebrating, really, Mm -hmm. uh, both yourself and the people in your life. Um, I was thinking about uh, the difficulty we sometimes have overcoming our own old stories, you know. So as a as a young girl growing up in a Latin American country, we were always told the girls have girlfriends; they don't have they don't make friends with other boys. All these ideas, and so that creates a whole narrative as we grow up of who can be a friend, who's invited, and you know, I mean, and what kinds of relationships. What do you say to young girls who are growing up with? Miss messages and the benefit of seeing the world through a male gaze and they having the benefit of seeing the world through your eyes, I think are huge. Yes. One of the concerns I often have is in adolescence or or, or 20s is that girls and, and young women will say that they have uh, here in, in Canada that it's easier for them to have friends. They like the guys more than they like the girls. Guys will say they like the girls more than they like the guys. And whenever I hear that, I get a bit concerned because we really first need to learn about ourselves with others who are like ourselves. So it's so essential to learn to love the feminine in us by loving other other girls, other women. For boys and young men to learn to love themselves and, and their their gender is it is to be able is via other other males. Then you learn about being in relationships with the other gender by by having you know the opposite sex. It is fully experience who you are, in in the sexuality you are, in the gender you are, and that is really claiming your right to exist. And mm-hmm. it's only when you can enjoy who you are in in the sexuality and this gender. Can you step forward confidently and start carving out a life that defines your dreams rather than what you were taught to be? 
talk a little bit about the catalyst moment that drove you to write this beautiful book and um, and why you hope people would gain from engaging with your book. Thank you. My book, Welcome Home to Yourself, was designed by my older son and I. I had experienced a serious illness and I was confident that I would be okay. However, modern medicine didn't know whether I would be okay, but I felt the confidence. But as I was going through my healing, I I said to my husbands and sons, I said, I want you to define a dream that you have. And I'm going to support each and every one of you in, in living this dream. And so my older son said, Mom, and he is a very gifted amateur photographer, he said, I want my photographs to come out into the world, and his photographs are on nature. And I was born on a farm, and for me, there's no separation between mm. uh, between humanity and nature. And I always look to nature for my answers. And I, I, you know, I look at a pine tree, and I think, you know, could you ever count the number of needles on a mm. on a pine tree? Or I look at a, you know, at the stream that I, I you know, I live, I'm I'm lucky. I live beside a stream in, on, on on an ocean property, and I you could never count, you know, the the drops of water in a stream. And so it's just this infinite abundance around me. And being in psychology, being a clinical counselor, and, and working, you know, a lifetime, an adult lifetime with, you know, women, men, and children, adolescents, I thought I would love to share my messages around how how you can step forward and go beyond what you believe or beyond what you are told and and go into this world that is this infinite possibility and universe, and that universe is you. That's the universe is each and every one of us. So mm-hmm. I wrote about this, and my son uh, took photos of, of nature, and we combined his photos and my writing, and we mm-hmm. created this awesome thank you book, Welcome Home to Yourself, and it has questions. And so it's, it's, it's a book unto itself, but it's also a book, it's, it's a working book. I love meaningful work. I, I love it in many ways more than play sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so the book won many awards, including the Benjamin Franklin Gold Award in, in New York City. And, and, you know, any of you who've known, like, we've had a dream and all of a sudden uh, the success in it far surpassed what you had even could mm-hmm. imagine, um, that it, it, uh, it's quite disturbing. So when we won all these awards, I found it very disturbing uh, in the sense of, like, are, are, is this real? Is there, is there a trick here? Is like, because, you know, my mind is, there's this Buddhist story about this frog who had spent her, you know, his lifetime in this little frog bowl, let's say. And so one day <laughs> we took the frog out to the edge of a lake and the frog looked out at the lake and the person's, I guess the person who could speak frog language and said to the frog, this is a lake, this is your real home. And the frog looked around and the mind blew up. It just like it spattered, like he couldn't, <laughs> couldn't, or she couldn't comprehend this, that this could be her real home. And that's what happened for me in, in some respects, you know, my, the neurons in my brain just like, like sizzled out when, when all of this happened. And, you know, the radio interviews, and it, all of a sudden, like, like it's, you know, 50 minutes of instant fame. So you have to be very strong and very courageous because when a dream comes true, often the success is much more than you can imagine and often the success is more than most people are able to manage. Mm. And so most people just go back into their cubby holes because uh, convenience and safety overrides this very awkward feeling. But I would really suggest take the awkward feeling because... Um, what has transpired in my life 
since writing this book has been monumental and so exciting, and I've been able to reach so many people and help so many beyond what I'd ever thought was possible. Mm. And we must, all of us, must keep our hearts open and receive whatever the world gives to us that is good. Mm. Really, we must receive it to be nurtured, because when we are nurtured, we can go out into the world and help the world even more so, because our world is crying for our positive strength. It's crying and screaming for it. And we need to receive what is good so we can give back. Thank you so much for those beautiful, beautiful words. You are also the CEO of Living Big, and your Living Big events are an amazing opportunity for people to really, you know, get in touch with that wild woman inside them, those wild dreams that are still there trying to, you know, ground themselves. Um, How can people access your work? How can people access your book? Thank you, thank you, thank you, Sylvia. Here, Amazon.com, it's available there. And how you may access the Living Big event, livingbig.ca, or Google me, Suzanne Kyra. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being with us today. My guest is Suzanne Kyra. She is the beautiful author of Welcome Home to Yourself and the CEO of Living Big Events. Thank you again for being with us today. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Art of Living. I'm an educational consultant and artist, authored. For more information about upcoming events, workshops, retreats, please reach out to sylvierichardson.com. Until next time, remember to be playful, to celebrate joy, and to allow love in all your co-creations. is you.